Hey. Yes, uh, my Bible's over here, so. <laughs> but thank you, Lee, so I know where I am. It's good to see you guys from the front. Uh, new guy, you can come back. Oh, he left. Um, okay. Well, there's another new guy. Welcome. Uh, I was just sitting up there, um, and just uh, as we were praying, just thinking about, hey, what were we going to do? And it's been, uh, and I've said it before, and I, I kind of uh, scoff at people who say, like, Jesus is such a nice guy, and he does this, and he does this, and he does this. Yes, <coughs> yes, but have you ever read what he said? Because today, I think uh, what we're going to experience today is, which is what the Bible does to us. Uh, today, Jesus is going to say some things that are going to be difficult. And he's going to, and you already brought it up, he's going to talk about being anxious. He's talking about what it's going to take to follow him. What kind of commitment is it to follow Jesus? And so, so in a picture, uh, what we're going to see today Jesus do is that what Matthew writes for us today is that it's going to work like um, a CD scan of your brain, of your heart, and all your motives. And that's what Jesus' words does. It brings out, it brings out where maybe we aren't really trusting fully. Maybe we are motivated by different things in Jesus. So it's a lot of, it has really struck me this time, well, I have done before, but a lot of what Jesus says is not easy. It takes all of us to lay down our old self and then come and fall. So such a, with that encouragement, we will, we will continue. Now I've just warned you what's going to happen. And so you can take your Bibles and go to Matthew uh, 8 and uh, 18. And we will read through uh, 27. Uh, we just, uh, just before that, just before that, uh, Matthew ended with this, uh, wow, that makes me dizzy. Uh, he, uh, he ended with this like beautiful, beautiful, uh, what do you call it, summation that Jesus Christ is, uh, Jesus is the Christ and 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 his healings last week proved that he is the one from Isaiah 53. So he's just come from that, and then in the night there's been uh, like lots of people, he's been uh, healing, casting out demons at night, and then, then uh, we come into the text here in 18. So the next morning. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. So that's the other side of the lake. And the scribes came up to, and, and a scribe came up to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nets. Nests, not nets. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me 
and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him up, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. Amen. So last week we came out of, a, of this beautiful passage where Matthew describes how Jesus is the Lord of the physical. He can heal people's bodies. He's the Lord of the spiritual he could cast out demons by just a word. Today we're going to see that he's also Lord of creation, Lord of the weather. But first we see, we see Jesus, it, I, I'm, th- I'm thinking it has been a long night. People are gathered around uh, Peter's house. People are there a long time. Finally, people leave, and then more people come, and Jesus is like, okay, let's go. Let, let's go. We're going to leave. He just orders them around, the, the, says to the disciples, we're leaving. And so here we see Jesus actually, wa- uh, Jesus is trying to get away from the crowds. But the crowd seems to be following after him. And I, I thought, I ju- I just be, it's a slight point, because I think, Maybe it, not you guys, of course, not you guys, but some some other people, maybe, if you're watching out there. Um, we live in a society where where all submission to authority is uh, rubbed against, uh, everybody wants to rebel again against all authority. And so I'm wondering what you're hearing when Jesus ordered somebody to do something. Are we hearing, what? Jesus, he can't tell me what to do. He can't order me around. He can't order me in the boat. And I think if that's what you're hearing, (laughs) your view of Jesus is totally wrong because Jesus has all the right in the world to tell you what to do. And so if you're sitting out there in here and be like, nobody can tell me what to do. I think that proves that you don't know who Jesus is and that you really are your own God and that you would not let anybody tell you what to do. It just proves that. And I know we live in a culture that really feeds on this and really tells us all that you are unique, you can do whatever you want and you don't have to listen to anyone, you know, don't, don't let people keep you down, even if well-meaning, well-meaning people would tell somebody so maybe you shouldn't, have, no, no, don't listen to those, they are people, they hate you, they don't want, they won't want you to succeed, they don't want you to be who you are. 
Jesus knows exactly who you are. And so does God. So whatever Jesus commands is good. And I and you are wrong when we decide to rebel against it. So yes, Jesus can absolutely order you and me to do <laughs> whatever. He is the Lord of all things. He's the King of Kings. And so if we come with our like, Jesus, you can't tell me what to do. We're just, we're, we're so far from understanding who God is. Like we saw last time, Jesus heals. He casts out demons. And today he's gonna control the weather. And then you will say, and you and I will say, you can't tell me what to do. Of course he can. And when he does, he actually loves you. Because most of the time you're wrong. It just proves when the six billion, I th- I've said it again, I, bear with me. When the six billionaires plus people in the world and they all think they are God, and people are like, why is there so many bad things in the world? That's exactly why there's so many things bad, bad in the world. Because six, people, six billion people think they're God. That's why there's so many bad things in the world. So yes, of course, Jesus can order us to do whatever he says. I want my Kantian freedom. Blah, 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 blah. You should just listen to what God says instead. Be- and also when people say that, like, I want my, I want my freedom, I want to, l- listen, you don't have freedom. There's plenty of things you can't do. You can't park the car outside, I'll call the cops and they'll take your car away. <laughs> like, it, it, you, there's so many things you can't do. And so when we buck against all these things, thinki- thinking that freedom is, ultimate freedom is freedom to do whatever I want, we've totally misunderstood who Jesus is and what he came to do. Jesus came so that we didn't have to do all the things that we just want to do, but calls us into something better. That was just on the word order. We try to keep it moving. <laughs> um, so he does order his disciples to go over to the sea, over the Sea of Galilee. Uh, I got some, uh, I, I uh, always uh, like to show us the slides. So he's there in Capernaum, so they'll go over to the other side. This is also a nice picture of where they're going. Uh, that's going to be for later. And then we'll go back to that. So Jesus actually, he's actually wanting to get away from the crowd. We see in Jesus' life, we don't see him wanting to gather a crowd around him. Yes, he wants to go minister to many different people. And many people then decide to follow him. But what we see in Jesus' life, he actually tries to get away from them. I think it's John also says, because Jesus knows what's in their hearts. Some of them are not really wanting to follow who he is, but he's popular, he has a crowd, uh, we want to be with the guy with the crowd, he can heal people, cast out demons, and he, later on he's going to make food for us, and he's a very nice guy to hang out with. And, and Jesus surprises the disciples many times by leaving the crowds. But like I already said, the crowd seems to be following after him. 
then we're going to talk about the cost of discipleship and just how how now Jesus' word starts to get piercing also. This, this, describe, maybe uh, you could say, okay, Jesus so far has only picked um, he's only picked fishermen. So a scribe comes up, oh man, we're going to get him in, you know, we get a little more, he actually knows the Bible, maybe, you know, get him into the crowd. But Jesus well, let's just see what he says. The, the scribe says, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus doesn't say, Hey, great. No, he says, if you do that, you do know we don't have any places to stay. Like from night to night, we find a new place to stay. Are you sure you want to do this? So Jesus doesn't grab. Jesus doesn't. Jesus is not. Jesus is not present, presenting something to this man. That he's going to experience like a few days later. Oh, this is not what I thought it would be. Jesus lays out, it's probably not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. Are you sure you want to follow? I've met some people come to our church that somebody shared the gospel with. They kind of forgot to share half the gospel but they will share the gospel that give you life to Jesus and everything will be great. And then people will come to me and when the Bible says, it's like, it seems like it's not working. I'm like, whoa, what do you mean? <laughs> well, you know, the people said that I should give my life to Jesus and then everything will be fine. I'll get a job, I'll do this. I didn't have to, and I was like, <laughs> huh. So I'm guessing you didn't read the Bible. <laughs> And uh, and we're going to have it later on in, G- in Jesus also explaining. You know, you you have to count the costs. What will this cost? What does the Christian look like? What does it look like to follow after me? He he's going to talk later about how he used the illustration of if you're going to war, do you have enough soldiers to do it? Do you have enough money to build your house? And so people won't ridicule you when you are only half done with your house. Here, here Jesus is saying to this man who, who is, maybe he's at an maybe he's at a feel like he had been in an evangelistic youth meeting. He was there in the he was there in the night, you know. He was there. He's seeing the people getting healed, and he's like, "Yes, I want to be a part." And Jesus says, "You know, you know what? Every day is not going to be like that." So he, in a sense, he's not trying to gather a crowd. Maybe he's actually trying to root out, weed out. And we see it later also when, when John talks about what Jesus says about communion. He talks about 
that and a lot of people are offended and they're like real blood real fo- you have to eat me and drink me and they're like wow we were leaving this this guy is weird but jesus does say something and he starts it here in in matthew we just talk about it a little bit it's, it's not going to be a full one but Jesus uses a t- here Jesus uses a title for himself he says the son of man about himself he does that 20 plus times in Matthew and you could be like well Matthew's so adamant he's like calling Jesus Christ the Messiah the whole time but Jesus uses this title Son of Man. As I was investigating what this means, I found some really good things. And why maybe that's actually more appropriate for the context that Jesus comes into. Because the distortion, or the, what the Jews thought the Messiah would be, would be the conquering king. Uh, you could say, some would say he would be another Maccabean, if you know, but he would be another one who would throw out the occupying force and become a messiah that way also like the disciples say in the after the resurrection are you going to restore the kingdom now and jesus is like guys later but so jesus uses a different title he uses this son of man so what can son of man mean well that depends it's used in different way in different books in job and different things sometimes it just means a man but if we look in how it's used in Ezekiel, it's used as the humanity of the, of the prophet. But he probably takes it from Daniel, where we have the Son of Man coming in the clouds. Daniel in Ezekiel also brings to this title trouble, humiliation, but also glorification. Suffering, war in those times, but something that denotes there's going to be suffering and then there's going to be glorification. So maybe that's why Jesus uses this title about himself that there's going to be suffering and then he'll be glorified. Oh, I have a slide. I have uh, some. I, somebody said it better than me. <laughs> Jesus may use Daniel's one like a son of man to communicate that idea of suffering and victory, absent from the politically charged term like the Messiah and the Son of David, which Jesus regarded himself as an enthroned figure in da- Daniel's vision, or as the representative of the saints of the Most High. He found in Daniel 7 a paradigm of suffering and enthronement and authority. So that's kind of what I said in my words, the other part. That that Jesus is picking a title that shows he's going to suffer, but he will be glorified afterwards.
so I was just thinking, so in, s- in some sense, if people knew Daniel and the prophets, it would be able, they would maybe be able to figure out what Jesus meant. Oh, this guy, <laughs> oh, this guy, we can't follow this guy. It's going to be tough, difficult life. He's going to suffer, but he will be glorified. Then there's not a man comes up. This one is really, the <laughs> when I said I was preaching on this part, this, re- this really uh, hits a nerve with people. Uh, people really don't like this passage a lot. <laughs> um, uh, uh, people are really, um, especially the last part, uh, people, uh, I don't know if we're just not so good at talking about death or what it is, but th- this really bothers people. Um, let's look at it and see why, well maybe why, why does it bother people so much? So now, now and this guy's a disciple or at least a follower. Disciple says to him, Lord, let me go and bear my father. And Jesus, Jesus here is not in his uh, hypersensitive corner. He says, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. It's not one of the verses people quote all the time when they say Jesus is a super nice guy. This one, I don't know about you, I, I don't know, I, I'm like maybe somewhere in the middle, but a lot of people I talk to, they like, oh, they like recoil immediately. Like, what, what is Jesus doing? Like, how, how can he say this? How can he say that the person can't go to his father's funeral? Then there's all sorts of theories. I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not even sure what sort of theory, but th- apparently at some point in time in commentaries, they, they, they would say that this person's not, that father's not dead. I don't know if I buy that, but uh, let me try to explain why. Um, some would say that the, this is an excuse because he doesn't want to follow Jesus now, but he will go back and wait till, his father, wait till his father dies and then come and fall. I don't know if that's true because then it, it just, it seems too easy and then the words kind of like, then the words kind of aren't really as hard because then it's obvious that this guy doesn't really want to follow. Or at least he wants to follow when he has time. The other part, excuse me, the other, the other, the other thing it could be is that um, because it is kind of an issue here. Because in Jewish law, the person will be buried the same day, so either the father's not dead at all or he has been dead a while so there's there is some kind of like hesitation because unless he died this day he can't even make it there for the funeral and 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 even as we're challenged by these words 
challenged, the culture is being challenged here because let's say he's the oldest son, he would have to not celebrate, but they would have to kind of mourn for a year and do different things and stuff. So even if he was dead, he's kind of asking to come follow in a year. But he wouldn't be able to make it to the funeral. So as I was wrestling with this and um, and thinking, mm, there's something here. I, I'm not sure what is it. What what is it? Why is it that we, why is it we don't want to receive this part? Why are we confronted so much with this? Why is this? Why is this command so hard? And so if we should just go through what Jesus is saying, he is saying, like, follow me. And let the dead bury their dead. Let the spiritual be dead, spiritually dead bury their own dead. You've seen, you know who I am, follow me. We started with Jesus ordering people around. Can he do that? Is Jesus' words better than going to a funeral, even of somebody very close? Somebody help me out again. This guy thinks he's dead, though. Jesus serves... Jesus' severe language met, so he thinks he's dead, but I think what I want is the second part. Jesus' severe language matches the absoluteness of his claims. He's more demanding than Elijah. It's not surprising then the finality and the urgency of the hour. Now a man's response is recorded, but the issue is clear. Following Jesus supersedes all other commitments. So Walter or something, he thinks the guy's not, uh, he thinks the father is already dead. Um, but I think what, what he puts into words that maybe I didn't have those words is whatever Jesus says does supersede everything else. And it exposes this man a little bit compared to the fishermen that he has already called and Matthew that's going to be called soon. They leave everything immediately and fall. These two guys are asking questions. Or Jesus asked them questions. Not sure the fisherman has counted all the costs, <laughs> but they're going to come. They're going to come running. These people are asking questions, and Jesus will say, "Come follow." You can read those stories and talk about where Elijah is calling Elijah, like you know, just you leave the stuff, come follow. Then, 
we're going to sail. Jesus gets into the boat. The disciples follow him. Jesus is tired. Super tired. He falls asleep in the boat. He's like, oh, I'm so tired. Finally get away from all those crowd. I just lays and sleeps in the boat. Jesus marveled last week at the centurion's faith. Today we see he's tired. He knows what it's like to be us. He knows what it's like to be tired. So when you're tired, you can think, oh, Jesus knows what it's like to be tired. <laughs> he knows. I don't know if it has, I don't know if it has, <laughs> I don't know if I've been as tired as Jesus because I I'm not I'm just not sure I'm not so good with water either, but I'm not sure <laughs> I could sleep like he does. Uh, but let like he is he goes to sleep in this boat. There's a bunch of other guys around him. He just goes to sleep. He's so tired. And the f- interesting thing is he's not waking up. But there's, the, there's water coming over the boat. <laughs> the guys are panicking. I'm thinking they're like, ah! Like, it's, it's, it's a panic in the boat. They're like, what? Uh, I don't know. I can't, maybe I'm not a great actor. But they, they at least they're, they're panicking. Like, they're like, and Jesus is like, Do you sleep like that at night? Or does worry and ex- or does worry and excite and anxiety anxiety keep you up at night? A little bit of what Myers talked about before. Jesus is in the middle of a boat with people. It's a huge storm. He's sleeping soundly in his father's arms. We are not God. So we've been created, so we need rest and sleep. Probably to remind us that we are not God. So Jesus shows what trust in God looks like when he just goes to sleep. What about you when you go to sleep at night? Do you see that as an act of faith? That I'm going to go to sleep? The world's going to be there tomorrow because I'm not God? And these hours I sleep, I can't do anything but to trust God. Sleeping is an act of faith for us believers. Or we can remind us that we are not God. (coughs) And we can put our hope and trust in Him even when we go to sleep. So back to the disciples, they're in a panic. They're like, Jesus, Jesus, we are dying. Save us. 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm not making joke. I, I'm not making a light of the disciples. I'm pretty sure I would done exactly the same. Exactly the same. If I wasn't already throwing up and just feeling really bad. Guys, I think you should wake him up. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, And, and Matthew is really good at this. He he points out when, when when, when these guys are in full panic, Jesus is like I don't know. He, he was like he I don't know if he just wipes his eyes and he's like, maybe taking his blanket off and he's like, guys guys, why are you so afraid? Oh, you of little faith. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be a great response by <laughs> a bunch of guys who just <laughs> in panic in the boat. <laughs> But maybe, but Jesus knows. Like He knows they're not going to get. Nothing's going to happen to them. He knows that they're in their His Father's arms. He He knows that you know. Well, of course, we're not going to die in this boat. That's not why my Father sent me here. We've We've just started our journey. And you just saw me heal people. You just saw me cast out demons. Don't you know who I am? But I'll show you who I am. He he gets up from lying down. He rebukes the wind and the waves. Everything. It's calm. Except the disciples. <laughs> They're still kind of freaked out. Because <laughs> they don't know who Jesus is. They're like, what What sort of man is this? That even the winds and the waves see obey him. When the water and the wind hear the voice of Jesus, they obey. Just like he ordered the people in the beginning. Just like he ordered people to be healed. How he ordered the demons to go away. The wind and the sea hear his voice that was there in the creation of the sea and of the wind. And they obey and become quiet. Jesus is Lord over nature. He's the one through everything was created. When we talked about it was in, I think it was an Acts. So this might mean even more to the disciples because because water was uh, the water was a symbol of chaos. So actually for the disciples Jesus also comes in and he calms all their chaos so chaos was also a picture of evil gods as well he comes in he calms all of that and the disciples are like who is who is this person okay we've seen people heal we've seen 
people cast out demons, but who can control the weather? But what about you? Now Matthew is so good at telling us who Jesus is. But as we're going through, we we have to, like I said, it's a CT scan of our mind, of heart. What causes you to be afraid? What causes you to have anxiety? What, ca- what causes you to rebel against God and you don't want to do what he's asking you to do? And who is Jesus? Matthew has shown us already that Jesus is not inconsiderate and, and not compassionate. He had so much compassion on the lever, a leper, so much compassion on the suffering servant of, of, the, of the centurion, of Jesus' mother-in-law. He had compassion on the people who said they wanted to follow, and he asked them a question. He has compassion on the disciples. Now when he asks them, why are you afraid and why have you so little faith? He has compassion. He's asked them into something better. So Jesus is loving and compassionate and righteous and holy when he asks this question that confronts us. Why do you have so little faith? Why are you anxious? Why can you not sleep? Are you trusting in who I am? And he challenges them. He challenges the disciples, challenges us. And, and maybe it's just you feel the same. Lord, I, I just feel my faith is so small. And Jesus points it out. Why is your faith so small? If I am the Lord of the sea, if I am the Lord of the physical and the spiritual, then what response do we have to Jesus? Matthew is clear, he's been clear the whole time. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Messiah, he's the promised one. He is. He will bless all the nations. And Matthew gives us an invitation every time to come and follow Jesus, knowing what it costs. That it's not just half the gospel that Jesus will make you happy and rich and you will never be sick and have any opposition. No, he'll be with you through it all because he's the Lord of all. And like I, I just said last time, but I, maybe God does not love me. Well, that's just not true. Because we, we see it in the rest of Jesus' life. We li- see here he lives a perfect life. He willingly goes on a cross to die. And we see God's love there. He doesn't say that, he rises again. And then being glorified. So he is the suffering servant like the Son of Man and he is glorified with God the promise is that he's coming back on the clouds 
so for us we have the advantage of knowing the rest of the story if you know the story of Jesus that there's even more the disciples are here they're still battling figuring out who Jesus is but for us who know and have seen the rest of the story of you out there and you haven't come and get a Bible we can walk through it with you Jesus is the Christ the substitutionary atonement that he brings the lamb that was slain the one that rose again from the dead the one that's coming back and so critics would say I only have one sermon and that's what we just had now and you will hear the same thing every time but what is good about this is because it brings us a mirror in front of us. It brings us, what do you call this, <laughs> hospital things to check our bodies and to be like, oh, am I trusting myself so much that I'm worried and anxious? And the Lord would ask us to come back to trust Him. Or if we're from some of us who are highly rebellious I don't want to obey when it's clear the command is to obey and follow so God is graceful enough that he brings these things to our attention so we can be aware if we're sliding away from him instead come to God come to Jesus so what is it that you're hearing? And so, um, I should have had a little pause. If you're hearing condemnation, you are hearing wrongly. Because then it's not Jesus. Oh, you stay in God's rest? No. The voice of Jesus is a call of tenderness. He might say, why do you have little faith? But that's because he wants him to come to you. What I say from here is never do better, do better, do better, do better, do better, do more, do more. No. Probably do less. And follow Jesus more. But that's not your own strength. That's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do that. The call would be to, ah, maybe you're trusting a little bit too much in yourself. Come back, come back. So it's Jesus' called to us to come back. And I, so when Jesus confronts us with words that are hard, it's always to try to bring us to life. always to bring us closer to him that we can have true life and sometimes or most times that means that we have to die to ourselves and follow after him and maybe sometimes we kind of forget to do that and that leads us to trust in ourselves instead of him and it creates a lot of worries and problems for us when we try to save ourselves
And so some of you may be, yes, this is what I want. I want this. I want to fall. Great. This is what, that's why we're here. This is what we want to do. We want to know the amazingness of Jesus so we can live in that joy and bring that joy to others. As long as we're here, bring that joy to others. There's this way to gain forgiven for shame, pain, and guilt and reconciled to God. Have eternal life with Him. We want to share that with people. Maybe you're here, uh, hopefully you're not here, but maybe you are and just like, I'm not going to do that ever. <laughs> I'll live my own life. I will not submit. I don't care. I would ask you to consider again. Look at Jesus. His life is not easy, but it's better to be with him than it is to be your own God and be alone. God, Jesus, and I don't want to scare you or do anything, but Jesus is clear. If you reject him, you reject God, you will go at the end of your life a place that's very bad, where there's nothing good. It's not great. I, uh, there's nothing to scare you with because I don't think I can scare you to believe and love Jesus. But there's consequences of our actions. So I'm just asking of us all that we fall on our knees and follow Jesus because we're going to do that when he comes back. It's clear all knees will bow. So that's my appeal to also out there or in here. If you haven't done that, do that. Life with Jesus is not easy. But he's with us through it. And it might not be easy, but it's way better. And you are made for it. You are made to worship God only and love him with all your heart, mind, and soul, strength. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much um, that no whatever happens, you're always the same. You don't change. There, you're always the same. You're always steady. Although you created the heavens and the earth, and you're all knowing, know all things. You, you know each of us so well you show us your, your kindness and compassion your wholeness and you love us in sending Jesus to us God thank you that you confront us thank you that you are asking us to continuously continuously see whether we're trusting ourselves or we're trusting in you so I ask that you continue to do that in us I pray for our new people here and out there. Lord, I pray you're working in their hearts and minds. That as Paul wrote, this is the day of salvation where people would say they want to come and follow you and then truly do, knowing how it never costs. Follow us who know Jesus. I pray that as we go through these things, as we're provoked by you and your words, we'll see that it's it's little needle picks to bring us closer to you. That we, as we say, we would trust you more, know you more, know you better, worship you more, and and I don't want to glorify you. Lord, I pray you would 
thank you for your mercy and grace towards us. Thank you for your patience even when we are dragging our feet and just doing our own thing, Lord. But help us, wake us out of those things through your word and through your guidance. Help us to encourage to pray one another. Help us us to walk with one another as we want to be salt and light and your ambassadors in this place that you have put us. Will you pour out your spirit on us to give us power to do those things, not in our strength, but in yours. Be to you all honor and glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And so uh, don't run away. We have a meal afterwards. So uh, you can also say hello to Tony and the new guy. And so... So don't...